Taves, light circle, shoots and scores! A shorthanded goal for Jonathan Taves! Kubelik in front, he shoots and scores! Dominic Kubelik on a belief line, right circle, shoots and scores! He set it up by Carpenter to slice, and he scores! Patrick Kane has a thousand NHL points! It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. Presented by FanList. Zach Smith enters the Sabre zone, put it down the right wing here. Doc with the back, and he scores! Kirby Doc! Chris Bowden and Joe Brand break down the latest storylines concerning your Chicago Blackhawks. Kane now with three, put it across the ring, and shoots, he scores! The cat connects with a one-timer from the left circle. Here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand. Welcome to a fresh edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio, alongside Blackhawks reporter, weekend sports anchor Joe Brand. And Joe, after all our enthusiasm after game number one, thinking uh, maybe the Blackhawks break out the brooms. Not so fast, but what a dramatic turn of events in game number three on Wednesday night. Uh, it all looked like it was going downhill, but this just goes to show you how playoff hockey is. Uh, it is a 60-minute game. And in the end, by the time we were, what, uh, five and a half, six minutes to go in the game, the Blackhawks were able to turn the tables. But it was because they kept on grinding and kept on believing probably a lot more than you, myself, and a lot of other people, uh, fans on social media, were thinking things were going to end up on Wednesday night. Yeah, if this were 2013, 2015, I might have had a little bit more faith heading into the final moments of period number three. But... Uh, that team really uh, proved me wrong. It, it, I, it was basically me in my own head thinking this one's over. How how were they going to be able to bounce back from 2-1 because it doesn't look likely? And uh, they really showed something because a lot of things did not go their way in that game, but they stayed resilient. And, I mean, the other thing, you look at it, wasn't game two they were heading into the third period down by a goal? Mm-hmm. And you're talking about two totally different third periods between game two and game three. Uh, you kind of saw the Blackhawks of old, and I, I know it was probably a, a nice reminder for guys like Taves and Kane and Keith, but uh, hopefully those young guys will realize that this team was very magical just a few years back, and who knows what can happen moving forward. I know there's a lot of hockey to be happened moving forward, but... That, that was a special win. Yeah, and, and when you get into this expanded playoff situation, yes, the, the Blackhawks are far from a perfect hockey team. The Edmonton Oilers, you can probably say the same of them, even though they are the five seed and you know probably think they shouldn't be having to face the Blackhawks and all their Stanley Cup playoff and, and experience pedigree. But uh, here the Blackhawks are knocking on the door with an opportunity to uh, move on to round number two. Which would be a daunting test, and, and and we won't even think about that yet. There, there's still a victory to get here, but yeah, the Edmonton Oilers they have been top heavy throughout their entire season, relying on both special teams. I think that's starting to show here as the as the series goes on, because all of a sudden the Blackhawks' uh, power play has been quieted a little bit, and uh, Edmonton continues to perform uh, very well on special teams, but on five on five play. Uh, the Blackhawks just, it was a matter of them continuing to grind. And um, even though Edmonton showed a little bit more of that in game two, better than the Blackhawks did um, in equalizing the series there, I think, you know, when it comes down to the, the, the third and fourth lines, and, and Grant, things were reshuffled a little bit by Jeremy Carlton in game number three. Um, you saw the highs and lows of what happened to that fourth line. They were on the ice for a, for a couple of those goals by Edmonton earlier in the game. But Jeremy Collinson continued to have faith in them, kept throwing them out there. And in the end, it's uh, Matthew Highmore who has himself a two-point game. And 
Whoever thought Slater, Cuckoo, and Ole Mata, the third defensive pairing, they're, they're going to come up and, and be productive for the Blackhawks here in the postseason. I really like Slater Cuckoo's game in Game 2. He, he just created a couple of chances. Obviously, he had that goal. Um, yeah, you are starting to see some guys perform to above their expectations, but I mean, you are seeing some guys that you'd like to see a little bit more from, like Alex Dabrinkit and Dylan Strome, but I, I think you bring up a good point. I, I tweeted this out. In order to beat Edmonton, you have to be better on 5-on-5 five five and at least neutralize the special teams. The Blackhawks did basically all of that in Game 1. Game 2, there was hardly none of it. Game 3, the power play was nothing special. I mean, the lone power play goal they had was somewhat lucky. But you, you... <laughs> trickling over the goal line as Miko Koskinen <laughs> valiantly made an effort to try and stop that puck. That's like That might be the first time I saw that a goal like that in real time and thought, that Is this should, slow motion? No, it's not slow in. motion. <laughs> it was just, oh, wow, it just happened to trickle in. But you know what? They have to have that approach. And I, I know everyone says it. Shoot. Shoot the puck. We always talk about it. The Hawks are too trying to be too perfect on their power play. But how many times have we heard, oh, it's it's the third game of the day on that ice. That ice is chippy. Yeah. I mean, then take advantage of it. Throw it towards there. I, I, I have loved everything I've seen from Kirby Doc. I wouldn't mind him being maybe elevated on a higher line and just stick down there in the crease. He's he's built up his body. He's stronger. He's way more aggressive. I mean, he was even aggressive before this hiatus, but now he's just found this resurgence. Stick him down there, and then that way you kind of allow Jonathan Taves to figure out more things around the crease. You've got the traffic there with Doc. He's a guy that's that's going to get you that gritty goal if you need, and just start peppering the goalie. Start peppering Koskinen because... That that perfect pass is not going to happen. Uh, the other thing you brought up about the special teams, the play, the power play looked stagnant last night for the Hawks. Yes, but you also have to keep in mind that that's a lot of time that Edmonton is shorthanded, and I know they have a good penalty kill, but it's so difficult for them to generate momentum when they're shorthanded so often. Not to mention when guys are making these penalties and the whole bench is raising their heads up into the sky. Oh man, why why did this hit happen? I mean, you're seeing a team that's I I don't want to say is developing doubt, but def, definitely developing concern about giving the Blackhawks chances that they finally took advantage of later on in the game. Well, it's not the way you want to draw it up to have six power plays and only convert on one. That being said, if Edmonton continues to uh, take uh, penalties, that's less time on the ice for Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. When you look at some of the ridiculous numbers they continue to put up in this series. But one thing we have forgotten in being away from the playoffs for two years, and even the two years prior to that, losing in the first round by a sweep to uh, Nashville and then uh, losing to St. Louis in seven games in the first round back in 2016 is the fact and the importance of perseverance. And you have to have yourself a, a little bit of grit, a little bit of guile. And as it turns out, the Blackhawks had that. And there's uh, no one more familiar with that than the captain, Jonathan Taves, to remind us all of that. A one goal leads a tough lead to hang on to for that long. And, you know, in that situation, we can always simplify our game and, and put pucks down in their zone where they want to play. And eventually things develop with their with their work ethics. So, you know, it, it could be easy to get frustrated and think that we're uh, we're in a tough spot if uh, we don't convert on those power plays we had in the second. But we uh, we still create a lot. I mean, we stuck with it. And I think it was a, a great team effort. It's definitely frustrating when, when you get chances like I did uh, late in the game, but you got no choice. You're down a goal. Keep putting the pressure on. You know that, that it's going to keep coming. And 
um, yeah, you got no other choice. You keep pressing, it's going to come for you. And it was nice for us to, to get Heisey's goal and a big one at the end there. Joe Biomi's not pretty at all, but you know what? You, you, you're not in a beauty contest sometimes when it comes to the playoffs, especially in the first one when you're trying to scratch and claw your way to a victory just in order to survive. And uh, when, when you look at it on paper, yeah, the Edmonton Oilers are the, are the sexier team with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. But then you get into a question as to how, how consistently some of their support scoring. Yeah, they've had some role players who have come up and done some pretty good things in this series. And by all means, it is not over yet. But when you look at the contributions the Blackhawks have been getting up and down the lineup through the first three contests and what they've been able to do in their two victories, that's really important, and that that carries a lot of weight here as as the series progresses. Because you know, uh, come game four here, when the Blackhawks drop the puck at five forty five on on Friday afternoon for game number four, should they get off to uh, a good start, or Edmonds get off to a little bit of a bumpy start? All of a sudden, it starts getting into their heads about yeah, we have a certain expectation with these two superstars that we have on our team that we should be you know just leapfrogging over the Blackhawks, and uh, here you are with this team that has a nice combination of youth and veteran savvy that have won Stanley Cups that might be able to get into the Edmonton Oilers' heads a little bit. I know we were drinking a lot of the Kool-Aid the last time we talked because what an impressive Game 1 it was in that series, but I I think Hawks fans still need to pump the brakes a little bit heading into Game 4. I mean, Edmonton showed in Game 2 that they're just not going to roll over and die, and you've got to feel like that enthusiasm is going to be increased even more yeah for game four so that's why i like jonathan Taves' approach in the media scrum but i mean heck he's he's used to this he's used to being in this situation where the team can eliminate uh their opponent in the series and and have the advantage to do that before being eliminated so he understands it's business as usual there's still a long way to go but again i mean you saw some vintage hawks in in that last few minutes in period number three yesterday so I mean, who knows how much this team is really feeling it, but going back to what we said the last time we talked again with Brandon Saad saying an extra uh, camaraderie with the entire lineup, I, I think you are seeing that because this is a team that did not give up give up on themselves. They kind of wised up towards the end and just throwing more pucks towards the net, and that's granted how they tied and eventually won the game. Uh, you just like to see that a little bit more consistently and, uh, I mean, as long as they can neutralize Dreisaitl and McDavid, I mean, in the long run, they, they should be okay. Easier said than done right. with, as far as those two are concerned. But in the end, Jeremy Carlton, you know, uh, one of the youngest, if not the youngest coach in the NHL right now, uh, learning through uh, his first experience here in the playoffs that it may not be perfect, but you just have to keep grinding and keep going over the course of 60 minutes. That certainly was a case in which the Blackhawks were rewarded in game number three, and he talked about finally getting that satisfaction, even though there was a lot of imperfection over the first two-plus periods. You know, when you win a game like that, it's uh, it's kind of why you do this. Uh, the, the feeling of uh, how hard we competed and just uh, proud of, of that our guys just stuck with it and they wouldn't be denied. Uh, face some adversity and, and just found a way to come through. So um, you got to enjoy that uh, few minutes or whatever it is. Uh, that's important because you that when you lose those games, they hurt a lot. So you got to enjoy the wins. But uh, now, from our perspective, uh, we got to make sure we just keep it even keeled. As you said, I think that was a bit of the issue last game. Uh, we didn't. Uh, we we didn't respond well enough to the push that was inevitably inevitably coming from Edmonton. 
and uh, we got to expect a desperate, desperate team uh, in game four, and then we got to respond ourselves. So we'll use this time to prepare. We'll enjoy the win because you got to love winning, but uh, ultimately we got to finish it off. Joe, who knows how this thing is is going to end. The hope is certainly that the Blackhawks are able to take care of business in Game 4 or, if necessary, a Game 5 on Saturday afternoon and and move on, or Saturday, whenever they decide to schedule it, move on to uh, whoever that next opponent will be. And the likes of Vegas and Colorado are looking pretty scary right now. But you know what? You're in a playoff situation, and there's no telling how much confidence can can push a team and i think the blackhawks are uh, experiencing a little bit of that maybe a seed of doubt going into edmonton's mind but this is such a tug of war especially in a best of five series where momentum can change at the, the you know the the flick of an eye and and you know things were looking good for edmonton but they were fighting it they were trying to protect that lead but the blackhawks were able to keep on pushing in that third period on uh, Wednesday night and able to uh, come up with the victory there. And yeah, it, it says a lot for the experience of not only the, the Sods and the Crawfords, and I want to talk about Corey Crawford in a bit here, but the other guys who have won three Stanley Cup rings, and Olimata as well. Here's a guy who at the ages of, what, 21, 22, was able to win back-to-back Stanley Cup with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And uh, all of a sudden, he's becoming a factor here. Where the uh, We mentioned a little bit earlier in the podcast how the, the third defensive pairing all of a sudden is making some noise, and you almost have to expect that and want that because of the the burden that the likes of Keith Boquist and Murphy and DeHaan have on their hands going up against those potent top two lines of the Edmonton Oilers. It just goes to show that that depth does have a way of uh, making itself known here in the postseason. Well, that's why the playoffs are always fun, because you occasionally will get your unsung hero that was okay during the regular season and then comes through and, and very uh, big fashion in, in the playoffs. I mean, we saw it with Brian Bickle. I know Dustin Bufflin was a big Hawks or a fan favorite in the regular season as well, but he really performed in the playoffs in 2010. I mean, remember when they were trying to set up this whole return-to-play plan and they first proposed a best-of-three series, and teams turned it down for this type of reason. They don't want to face a team like the Hawks that can pick up a bunch of momentum and and you know come in as the underdog. I mean, if this were a best of three series, we'd be talking about them moving on right now. Yeah. So I, I think that it kind of goes to show you what the Blackhawks are capable of. Again, that lightning in a bottle type team moving forward. But um, yeah, I, I, it, we were talking before the podcast. Of course, if they move on, a team like Vegas, a team like Colorado is another tall task. But heck, I don't think. Many people were picking the Hawks to be up two games to one right now. And, and those teams uh, have the kind of uh, depth that uh, you don't want to see in the playoffs. But from the Blackhawks' standpoint, uh, we mentioned Mata, Cuckoo. Those are third-pairing defensemen. And Mata certainly has the experience of, of contributing in a, in a playoff run. And he talked about... Sometimes uh, in these playoff series, depth uh, having a, a higher hand, a greater hand over some of the top heavy talent that the Edmonton Oilers have. That's not to say that this is the way this series is going to end up, because uh, yeah, there, there's a, potentially a couple more games here where Drysaddle and McDavid can certainly do the kind of damage that they've done here that we've seen in the first three games of the series. But in the long run, as you try and grind out series, the longer they go, sometimes depth has the upper hand, and Oli is familiar with that. Well, it's huge in playoffs. I mean, if you if you have three, four lines that can go on three deep pairs, it's, it's tough to match up against that. Against that, it's like every line can 
can make it happen and just put pressure on them, just go at them all the time. It's 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 a big thing in playoffs, and and, and I think we've uh, we've done a good job today. I think game one we did a really really good job with that. Um, and uh, when we do that, we're a tough team to beat. Ole Mata and Slater Cuckoo, the third defensive pairing, have combined for three goals and seven points in this series so far. Just as all of us called it, and I was joking with uh, Troy Murray afterwards uh, after the after game number three on the post game show on Wednesday night. Yeah, who had it all drawn up that uh, that Mata Highmore and for a while we thought Connor Murphy scored the game winning goal on Wednesday night, uh, against the Edmonton Oilers. As it turns out, Jonathan Taves credited with a tip, and Taves, the captain, has two goals in each of the Blackhawks' two victories. Uh, but yeah, depth goes a long way, and the other thing that goes a long way is goaltending. I thought. Uh, Joe Edmonton, uh, they're getting a lot more calmness in the net since they replaced Mike Smith with Miko Koskinen, who has a lot less playoff experience than than Mike Smith certainly does. And from Corey Crawford's standpoint, he's still sitting here with, uh, what is it, uh, an 8.59 save percentage, far below the 9.28 that he had in his uh, final 20 games of the regular season. And uh, even though we are wanting and wishing Corey would be ready for this series, I think he's still kind of finding his footing, kind of finding his way, because uh, I mentioned to Troy on the postgame show Wednesday night, when Corey's at his best, you almost don't notice him. He's not the spectacular save guy. There's there's a uh, a conservation of movement. Um, you know, he's steady in the net, and we see him kind of diving and lunging for pucks, whether that's the ice surface, whether that's, um, you know, being away from communicating with his defenseman consistently enough since, you know, he didn't practice until you know, uh, less than two weeks ago uh, after after being um, diagnosed with, with COVID. But I think Corey's still finding his way. And from the Blackhawks' standpoint, the fact that they're up to one and Corey still doesn't have his legs totally under him, I think that's an encouraging sign here if they can get through this series and, and knock off Edmonds and move on to round two. I think so, too. And how many players do we hear from when Corey was absent from training camp 2.0 and they expressed how much confidence they had in him because he's a guy that, when Jonathan Taves was talking about him, I think Duncan Keith mentioned it, too, how it was annoying, how he could just come back from not playing for so long and still be back in his rhythm. I, I, I equate it to the kid in high school that wouldn't have to study for a test and would still ace it. (laughs) And you always hated that kid because you'd be up the night before studying all you could and you get a C. Um, Corey Crawford seems to be that guy. I agree with you. There still seems to be some cobwebs there, but with slow improvement. But he's still the best option that the Blackhawks have, so there's there's no reason to even go down the hole of, of thinking someone else to be in there. But again, that just shows how much faith he has in his teammates, how much his, how much faith his teammates have in him, uh, because th- th- that that comfortability is is so clutch in the playoff atmosphere, and you get a guy like like Crawford that has that experience, it's going to go a long way. And the other thing is if the veterans are expressing this feeling and showing this calmness, the younger guys are going to take under that. And that that's going to be huge for them just to maintain stability for their emotions. Uh, Jeremy Colleton, it just always seems like that guy, not really high emotions one way or the other. Um, so that that whole consistent feeling like again just just to have your emotions in check for a series like this is so pivotal for the Hawks yeah and the number 50 playoff win for uniform number 50 Corey Crawford in game number three 
over the Edmonton Oilers there. And uh, when it all is said and done, um, let, let's go from from a veteran guy to a young guy. Before we hear from Jonathan Taves on on grinding out playoff series, you mentioned Kirby Doc's name. Four assists through the first three games of this series. Uh, I'm not sure what he was plus minus the other night, but he came into game number three with a plus three, elevating himself up the lineup. We mentioned that Jeremy Carlson put him with Alex DeBrinket and and Patrick Kane. And even though he's all of 19 years old, uh, he has been extremely impressive in what we've seen the first three games of this series as he plays you know, in the shadow of uh, his suburban Edmonton hometown, comes back and plays in the bubble. And um, Kirby Dak has been as noticeable as anybody, throwing his weight around. Uh, we saw him uh, also airborne at one point in game number three, bringing back memories of Bobby Orr. He just couldn't finish it off like Bobby Orr did uh, in that uh, series back in the day. What was it, 69-70 against the St. Louis Blues? But, but uh, Kirby Doc, uh, for a 19-year-old coming in, it, it, it brings back memories of what Jeremy Roenick did back in the late 80s before Joe was probably even born about, uh, you know, incorporating himself into a lineup and being a factor in a postseason series at such a tender age. And while everyone was scratching their heads, what was it, uh, 14 months ago when uh, Stan Bowman and the Blackhawks announced Kirby Doc's name at number three when a lot of people thought he should be going in a different direction. This is further proof of what uh, the upside of this kid is, and, and we're seeing the potential being realized here at a really young age. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to give credit to Stan Bowman and his team for basically nailing this. Um, you took a guy that was an instant impact at the NHL level, and then once he had some time to just bulk up his body and work on his physical presence, it's showing in the playoffs. I mean, he looks like he's ready to run through a brick wall. You mentioned he's plus four now in this series, and he just seems to be in the middle of every single play when he's on the ice. And you see how angry he was after uh, what he missed the shot or he got slammed into the boards and he cracks his stick against well, he got hit by Josh Archibald that's too, what it was thank was, you yeah, got yeah. The hip to the knee I mean he he has just found this whole nother adrenaline rush out of him but I mean this guy is is a center of the future if he continues to do this because he is just uh, building his value with every game in the playoffs, and it's it's well-deserved. And it's a fascinating matchup in terms of the high expectation level with the two superstars that Edmonton has in McDavid and Dreisaitl of uh, you know uh, being able to advance uh, from 2017. That was the last time Edmonton was in the playoffs and won a playoff series. Now they have these high expectations of you know being able to just dispose of the Blackhawks. And when you look at the other side of these... Uh, playoff matchups the 12 in the east montreal with the two games to one lead on pittsburgh as well it just adds to the wild excitement level of uh what this um uh playoff scenario has for for the nhl in these uh strange times but you know you go back to the blackhawks experience and jonathan taves and duncan keith and the patrick canes and uh, of the world knowing how uh yes you there there are ups and downs to every series you and I were up after talking about game number one when we did our last podcast, and we're up again, but in between, there was this Edmonton performance that had everybody thinking, okay, well, the Hawks are going to be done in a couple more games. It just show, uh, goes to show you how grinding out a series is so important about not getting too high or too low, and the captain also talked about that after his second two-goal performance of the series. Yeah, I mean, a, a five-game series is definitely different. Um 
but you always know even a seven game series games three and four are the toughest ones to to close out but you know um we've had some experience in the past uh knowing how to how to play and how to prepare for those big games and and it's having that killer instinct, but but like you said, knowing that you know every game uh, this series has, has gotten tougher. Um, it's going to be the toughest game um, coming up. I think their their best players played well and, and capitalized for them, but uh, we can expect a much better team game and, and for them to improve uh, as we go along. So there's one more game to grind out here, Joe, uh, before the uh, Blackhawks are able to uh, advance to the next round. We don't know whether that's going to happen. Obviously, first and foremost is the 545 puck drop in game number four, and you can expect Edmonton to throw the house at the Blackhawks and see how how they react to that. But uh, nevertheless, I, I think we've uh, learned some things as well through the course of the last week about this team from their victories in game one, and then uh, most importantly, more importantly, in game number three here to take this 2-1 series lead. We're, we don't know whether they're going to be able to see it through but nevertheless, uh, they have so shown some some grit and determination, especially in that third period of Game Three on Wednesday night. And uh, uh, all of us here in Chicago, obviously, are hoping they're able to see this through and, and advance to the second round and throw the dice and, and see what they can do against a, a much higher caliber opponent. But um, it, it's it's been a whole bunch of fun watching this team uh, see what they can do against what is a high powered offense, if not a top heavy offense, of the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, I'm really curious to see if they can they can see this through put a stamp on it move on to round number two it's just bringing back good fun memories of the Blackhawks and on their Stanley Cup runs I mean before this season the Hawks hadn't won, hadn't been to the playoffs since 2017 they hadn't won a playoff game since 2016 hadn't won a playoff series since 2015 when they won the cup so again you're, you're getting this revived uh, playoff fun atmosphere for this core Something to keep in mind, I've, I've noticed this series, and of course this is just a dumb stat, but the first team to score two goals has won the first three games. So keep that in mind. It, you, it was the second goal until yesterday, but but that, that kind of... I was going with first team to five uh, before, <laughs> before game well, number that's, three. That's typically a, a recipe for success. <laughs> uh, the other thing I've noticed, and I'm all for this, with no fans in the stands, the cameras go to, like when the Hawks score a goal... They go to the Oilers bench and they go to the reaction of the other team. And you see this this distraught look and, and you see these reactions. I mean, the Yamamoto hit when they go to the Oilers bench and they're like, are you kidding me? How are you cre- getting that penalty? I love that. I wish, I, I hope moving forward when fans do come back, you get to see that. Because normally it's, you know, shot of the, the goal scorer, the pile up, then a pan across the fans. But now I love seeing the other side of the coin and that. And, I mean, heck, they do it with the Blackhawks, too, when, when the Oilers score. But it's it's something new, something different, something I, I've just noticed. And uh, like I said, I'm all here for that. Before we wrap up here, and we will come to you with a uh, our next podcast coming up on Sunday. We will know by then whether the Blackhawks are moving on. Hopefully that is the case, rather than mentioning... Uh, losing two in a row and, and dropping out here after the qualifying round, but uh, we'll come back at you with another podcast coming up on Sunday. But you are you are Mister Podcast Central here. Let me uh, allow you to uh, to promote some other things you're doing because it looks like at this point we have two baseball playoff teams in Chicago too, right? We do have two play uh, playoff baseball teams. The Cubs and Sox have not lost on the same day yet. 
Uh, well, yeah, thank you. Uh, podcast that uh, Connor McKnight and I have started up. It's called Baseball. Not Connor McDavid. Not Connor McDavid. No, another no. Connor Mick. We we tried to reach him. He was just too quick, and we couldn't get a hold of him. Too uh, busy. <laughs> uh, yeah, Connor Connor McKnight and I. Uh, we've had, we're three episodes deep. We're going to record another one today. It's called uh, the Baseball from Home Podcast. Do you just schedule these podcasts whenever you're in for a Blackhawks uh, crazy podcast? It's, it's as getting well? that way. We we record Sunday and let's Thursday nights. Ha- let's hope this continues for a long time into into August. In September. Hey, I'm, I'm all here for that. I totally am. Uh, yeah, we record Sunday and Thursday nights, so they're out on Monday and Friday mornings. We're on Spotify. Uh, trying to get on Apple. I think a few of the other podcasts were on Apple. It's through the Lawrence Holmes House of L Network. Um, so yeah, we'd love to have you. Baseball from Home is the podcast called Stitcher. It's on there too. Basically anywhere you can get podcasts, just take a look. And uh, we hope you continue to listen to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Again, we'll come at you again on Sunday. By then, we will know if the Blackhawks are moving on. Hopefully, that is the case. We won't mention the alternative for a, a second time in the last uh, three or four minutes here as well. But we encourage you to subscribe, and that way, uh, as Joe mentioned, it'll uh, be ready for you whenever we have a new edition ready. But again, the next one coming your way on Sunday. Be sure to follow myself and Joe on Twitter. I'm at at Bowden Tweets. Joe is at at Joe underscore brand, the number one, at Joe Brand one. And uh, yes, we will see where the playoffs bring us next. The Blackhawks up two games to one on Edmonton. Hopefully we're talking about a winner when we come back at you on uh, Sunday with our next Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. In the meantime, enjoy. Again, game number four coming your way at 545 on Friday afternoon. Listen to it on WGN Radio and WGNRadio.com. Have a good one, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great!